and welcome to another Scotswehe podcast. This time round, we're joined by musicians Ross and Alistair White, who have just recorded a fantastic album called Farach, and um, that's why they joined us really to talk about that. You'll hear how the project, for want of a better term, came about from some academic research on Alistair's part, and how Ross, a podcast veteran, I might add, um, came to be involved. But that's all to come. Um, Before you hear the chat, however, there's some music, and the first track you'll hear is The Ocean Sound. And then after we've stopped talking, there will be The Black Oaken Boat, two terrific tracks from I'll say it again, a terrific album. And uh, I'll see you on the other side of this.
Hello everyone and welcome to another Scots Way Hey podcast and uh, today in the podcast we've got Ross and Alistair White. Hello guys. Hello. Hello there. First thing to say, no relation. Not as far as we're aware. <laughs> okay. You've still got to check people on that. And um, you have, but one of the reasons for asking that is together you are white. That's correct. Um, this is, a, I should say Ross has been on uh, one of the podcasts before. Um, we will invite the good guy he has to say and um, and the guys who say yes <laughs> the last time you were on um, it was a collaboration you were doing with Alistair Roberts called New Approaches to Traditional Music that's right uh, so you obviously are a fan of collaboration 
And a fan of Alistair. <laughs> People called Alistair. Yeah. Um, so, really, we're here to talk about um, Ferich, which is the album that you guys have got out. Correct uh, pronunciation? Uh, Farich. Farich, okay. I'm missing that right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, So, well, let's talk a little bit about how you guys kind of came to, to work together. Uh, well, um, we were. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a bizarre, circuitous kind of way, but I guess from my point of view, I'd. Uh, uh, Alistair Roberts um, had, had sent an email, I think he CC'd me an, an email, um, kind of uh, suggesting me as, as an artist to participate in a project by um, the organisation Kiel's Crack. And they're uh, um, they, they do it's a sort of Gaelic culture. Do you say is that right? kind of Gaelic culture music and film series? Yep. Um, and so they were looking for uh, uh, electronic musicians, artists to collaborate with folk or traditional musician or Gaelic uh, musicians mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, basically, take part in a in a concert at the CCA. Okay. So it was one of these things. That it it kind of it took a while to get off the ground uh, for him to be sort of organised. But uh, I I met with the the organisers and they'd said, "Oh, um, do you know Alistair White?" And I said, uh, "No." And I was shocked that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Alistair right? uh, and so they said oh I think you guys would, would probably work well together and eventually we, we, we met and we sort of chatted uh, for possible ideas and um, maybe I don't know because I mean Alistair you sort of told me about well the research you were doing at the time the so songs you've been researching which have been really appealing yeah. yeah so I just I'd been working on a project um, called which was looking at specifically at women's poetry in Gaelic well in, in other Celtic languages as well mm-hmm. and I'd been asked to give a talk and perform some of these songs three songs I think in total at an event at the, uh, the women's library here in yeah. Glasgow and um, yeah, I thought that, that would be something, it would be nice to base our performance at Kill's Crack around those songs. Right. Um, I thought it'd be really nice. I'd sung them a cappella um, at that event, but I thought it'd be really nice to have um, what big arrangements. And did you know Ross's music? Did you see who's this famous Ross, right? <laughs> Everyone's talking about. I didn't, but I'm embarrassed that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, so that was the, 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 the kind of um, research that you've done into these. I mean, what are we talking about in terms of the age of these songs? Yeah, so um, kind of 17th and 18th century songs. There are older songs, yeah. that excellent songs. Um, but yeah, specifically for that project, it was 17th and 18th century songs. And that's kind of been a theme. That period is kind of um, what we've looked at in this, and in, in Farish as well. So did you feel that this kind of linked into the stuff that you did with Alistair Roberts and the new approaches to traditional music? This was another 
you know, that sounds quite a similar approach that you would take. Uh, yeah, I think um, it, it felt like a kind of almost a sort of natural continuation of, of what Ali and I had been doing in Braemar. Uh, and, and definitely, you know, I, I, I think I'd, I'd learned so much from from working with Ali and, uh, and, and it did, it kind of gave me uh, sort of newfound respect for traditional music and uh, and yeah I suppose the, the research that, that goes into um, you know exploring these old songs and, and how you approach arranging them uh, was something that really I think it, it kind of stuck with me and, and I, I really I sort of you know, I really missed it when it was over. So mm-hmm. when it, it just feels like this really lovely, uh, natural continuation of the fact that it was Ali who'd sent that email. Yeah. You know, uh, suggesting it was, was just was just wonderful. So I think that yeah, that experience definitely gave me some ground grounding for for uh, how to approach what what Alistair and I were. I um. In, in terms of how you had maybe envis- did you always envisage these be put to music or did they have music already? Um, no, uh, there are quite a few of them on Farish that I've not heard with, um, with musical accompaniment elsewhere. So that was quite an exciting thing to yeah to talk about initially. And I mean, this is not a traditional approach to, to doing this, you know, with um, your kind of. I see. The, the term Galactronica has uh, has raised its head. How are you feeling about that? Is that Ross? How <laughs> <laughs> are you feeling about that? Uh, well, that uh, I will never mention it again. <laughs> um, that ended up so the the Kills Crack event. They they decided they they, they called that Galactronica. So that was the sort of theme for the night. And uh, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's been claim that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's Galatronica, I don't know. I mean it's not it's it's an eye catching it's an it is I caught my eye when I saw it. But I mean I guess the, the question is a lot of people's approach to such songs is to treat them like the almost like historical artefacts and that it's only genuine if you put the music to it that would be there at the time or something along those lines if you know what I mean um, getting this kind of very different musical approach and was there anything that concerned you about that or, um, or I don't know just what did you think about the, Ross's musical approach that would suit these songs yeah I don't think it, that concerned me at all to be honest um, do you think it might concern other people? I guess is what I'm getting at. I guess. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing about tra- any traditional music is it comes with the term traditional. Yeah. And some people, their traditions are very important to them in that sense. And I think sometimes with music, even more so. I mean, you know, of all, you know, some people don't like soul music unless it's played through kind of mono speakers or something like that. You know, you've got that sense of history, I suppose, that goes with it. But that didn't concern you, you know. No, not personally, I yeah. no, and I'm, I'm aware of that kind of viewpoint. <laughs> yes. um, I think just for me, I think the drama of these songs, and this is something we talked about from the outset of Elios, I, I think that the drama lends itself to 
about good arrangements. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that's just the exciting thing about collaborating as well. Absolutely. I think it does lend itself to the music, and the music is really, well, we know this is kind of expansive. There's a sense of space in it, and I think it fits the songs really well too. Um, I'm I'm interested in how you know you were saying that working on the the uh, new approaches to traditional music kind of opened up your eyes to mm. a kind of rich history that maybe you hadn't seen before. Mm. I suppose you're maybe more steeped in that history from your musical background. I mean, you tell us a little bit about your, your kind of musical background. Um, well, I suppose I've been singing Gaelic songs since I was able to sing. <laughs> My mother is a singer, um, and so we were always, my sister and I were always singing and competing at mods, provincial mods and national mm-hmm. mods. Um, and so, well, that was really my way into the language as well, if I'm honest. Uh, we didn't speak Gaelic at home. Mm-hmm. My mum's got a wee bit of Gaelic. Um, but a learner as well, not a native speaker. Um, so yeah, I think the songs certainly were my way into uh, learning, you know, eventually achieving fluency in, in Gaelic. And I guess you build up, well you obviously build up your repertoire by singing at mods mm-hmm. and an awareness of um, yeah, nuances in terms of uh, rhyming schemes and things. And I suppose yeah, I suppose that's the background from which I've come. Because you, you write your own music in Gaelic? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. I think the idea of the, the music and poetry in particular, but of, of also, I think, more recently, fiction, um, kind of helping to not revitalise a language, but, you know, keep a culture kind of more vibrant. Do you think that has got better as, you know, you've been... That more people are discovering, I suppose, like was like myself, mm-hmm. that perhaps previously weren't aware of the kind of rich culture that there was. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I think um, in quite a healthy position just now in terms of Gaelic music, and that there are quite a few um, artists um, experimenting with new styles, um, certainly on the kind of electronic music front. Mm-hmm. There are a few a few acts trying that with Gaelic so uh, I think that's, it's quite interesting because we talk, we spoke a while ago now to Joe Mango who is I think from up in Aberdeenshire as well mm-hmm. and her kind of approach to music and um, kind of you know, lo-fi but almost um, well to me it sounded like it was influenced from maybe Scandinavian countries like Iceland and um, Sweden and exactly those kind of things that they were doing similar to maybe Sigurdvoss and things like that and I wondered if you thought that there was as much a musical influence that came over um, from Scandinavia as it did from anywhere else in Europe, I don't know if you felt that, um, you know, coming up in Aberdeen um, I think maybe, I mean I think yeah, I, I mean, the, I'm not quite saying cold dark nights <laughs> produce really dark electronic music, but um, I, I just wonder. It, it, it's it's interesting. I think sometimes we think of kind of physical boundaries, but actually uh, influences come over in, in, in different ways. And I also wonder that with the music of the Highlands and Islands, whether yes, 
it was self-sufficient almost because there was a language difference with the rest of the UK but there would be these electronic influences which again seem to me from what I've heard to have some links to things like Iceland and to Northern Europe I think yeah I mean um, this somehow I, I, I think that the kind of Scandinavian the, the likes of sort of Sigurus and um, uh, what is it Moon Moon yeah people like that and um, this somehow that that really kind of lends itself to uh, to their own kind of folk music and folk traditional music and, and maybe it's, it's partly like what I was just says there about <coughs> about the drama uh, I don't know I think that kind of somehow to, to my ear feels more musically appropriate than an accordion doing the same thing sure. in 10 minutes I don't know I, I, I'm just purely making this up on the hoof in a way, but I know I have thought about it a bit. Because you have got the idea of space and landscape and all that in your music, and I think in a lot of Gaelic music you have the same thing. You have the idea of, uh, well, it links in a lot to the land, you know, and people say what, what you sing about and what you write music about is often linked to the land and all that and stuff. And I think that happens with a lot of Scandinavian music. You think of the electronic music from larger cities like Sheffield or Manchester or, or even Glasgow, it's much more the sound of industry being it's, made. Uh, you know. it's, ur it's urban, isn't it? Yeah, it's, very much so. Yeah. Whereas what I, there's never, the, the, the music that you guys have made, um, it works beautifully together, even though it comes from perhaps different kind of backgrounds. It doesn't clash in the way, if you tell to someone, well, we're going to put um, some um, old um, Dalek songs to electronic music then well I think I don't know maybe nowadays people would think that, that this would work in harmony but I think at one point mm. or in both sides of, of, of from the musical divide if you want to use that term um, people would maybe think it's not going to particularly work I think it's, it's probably a you know I think you say electronic music mm. to people as well I think yeah I guess that's a wide wide range of uh, stuff and I don't know what the you know maybe the the kind of uh, I don't know what the, 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 the what would swing people's minds first. Maybe it's they're, they're thinking oh god, techno thumping beats and um, which I love that yeah techno beat you know but uh, I suppose it's it, yeah maybe maybe that's something to do with it. But it's I guess it is such an expansive genre, but perhaps people. Yeah, again, I think it go, the, the kind of more ambient music that's happened more recently has seemed to, you know, perhaps more from, from Northern Europe gets it, yeah. which is something. That, it, it's an interesting mm. crossover, I think. Um, I, I think the whole project that you're doing is an interesting crossover. The album came out just last week. No, it comes out... Uh, 21st of October. 21st of October. So you've got exclusive. Exclusives. Uh, <laughs> wow, I didn't, I didn't quite realise that. Thank you very much. Um, I, that's the way to get on here. Come be and get. But have you had, I mean, it's obviously been, people have heard it and reviewed it, and, and what have you, the feedback have you had so far? Well, we've had, uh, we had 
talking about radio plays, we um, uh, we did Scotland's Travelling Folk. Oh, that's interesting. Show, yeah, which uh, I mean, they've been really good with us because they before we'd even recorded anything. They there was a a recording of a live performance that they did for Tradfest in Edinburgh last year, and uh, I think we had we had it on, on SoundCloud, and someone had heard it and asked if they could play it on the Travelling Folk Show. Yes, yes, please. Uh, so uh, I can't. I think we. Oh yeah, no, they, and then we got in touch again, and I uh, saw so that we had an album coming out, and asked, you know, because do we have anything that they could play? So brilliant, I'm happy with it. So we played it, and um, we've also had tracks on. Yeah, BBC Radio Nagaila also played quite a few of our tracks. We sent them three kind of preview tracks. Um, so they've been really yeah, excellent. Giving them some airplay. Um, going back to your own music, Alistair, I've noticed that you've done some collaborations before as well. Um, how do you approach uh, working with other people in this way? If you primarily you you write your own songs, yeah, is that true? Is that or am I making that? <laughs> I'm making a huge leap by saying that. Um, well, I suppose a bit of both. I mean, that, yeah. the my the album that I, I did in two thousand twelve mm-hmm. uh, was a mixture of both traditional songs and my own stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it was your interpretation of traditional songs. As I mean, yes. you weren't working with anyone else for that album, did you? Or, or did you? Uh, a kind of a core group of three of us. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, but certainly not. I suppose you would maybe say that they were more contemporary arrangements mm-hmm. yeah, they were certainly more contemporary than traditional arrangements of these songs I guess to fit in with my own songs which are kind of shameless pop I suppose <laughs> 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 there you go um, that, well, that, I mean, that's an interesting point again the, the kind of modernising of, of the traditional some people accept it some people love it and some people kind of have difficulty with it have you had anyone having difficulty? <laughs> I'm not trying to kick, you know, start anything here. I just, it does interest um, How much battery power are you? <laughs> a lot. Plenty. Yeah. Yeah. But when you go to work on something that is a traditional piece, I guess it goes to both of you, um, how, how do you approach it? How do you feel about working on something that's been around for kind of a length of time? Something that obviously has been looked at academically as well, so... Mm. You know, some there's a as far as I can tell. Although you you did your degree in degrees in music as well, didn't you? Yeah. But is there a difference between looking at something? Not I want to say commercially, but you're thinking, well, this is going out as an album and all of the things that that go with that, or looking at it purely in an academic sense. Um, I think it's. I mean, it's weird. Like the f- I think the first recording that Alistair sent me was something these sisters lament, I think. Uh, it was a couple uh, which was, is, is on this album. I think there was maybe a couple of tracks. Uh, but you know these were um, a cappella recordings and uh, I think more than anything it was you know I listened to those and I thought what 
what would I, what can I bring to this? And I think it was, it was something that, that you know, would complement the, the melody, the, and Alistair's delivery of it, and, uh, and the lyrics as well. And I don't know, I, I hadn't really thought about it really beyond that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really, you know, like what, um, there's you know some if it's narrative or, or something emotive you know how, how musically is, can that best be underpinned and uh, I don't know I think if you start I think if I was to start thinking in terms of uh, I don't know well you know what would be the traditional in quotation marks route to go this um, I think we would just end up with something a lot less appealing, mm-hmm. a lot less interesting. So I think it's it's yeah, it's above all it's the melody, the story and the and the emotion was, was kind of what fed the musical accompaniment. Okay, well I suppose a big part of the our approach to it was sitting down and talking about the, these stories mm-hmm. and you were talking about that kind of academic side of things, mm. and um, yes, some of these songs will have clearly been researched uh, thoroughly <laughs> academically, and uh, so that was a great resource. And hopefully, we kind of combined the two almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was important in our uh, kind of um, liner notes to include as much information as possible for. I think ho- we're hoping that there's going to be an audience of non-Gaelic speakers uh, here as well. So I think that um, making the songs as accessible as we could was an important part of it. I think obviously the music hopefully is accessible anyway, but I think we're hoping that, that the liner notes, for example, will, will add to that accessibility. I think um, I think it certainly should reach an audience you know, a wider audience, especially, you know, I haven't really said much about what the album sounds like, but um, for anyone who's more interested in the, the kind of more ambient side of things, I think that seems to me from what, I, what I've listened to, uh, where it's going, and I think that sort of music often lends itself well to carrying lyrics that the meaning doesn't necessarily have to be literal, it can be felt it can be uh, you know so you don't have to know the language to get the meaning behind them yeah. I think that's absolutely right and because you know this is a, a, I suppose a, a, an element throughout this our collaboration I don't speak a word of Gaelic and, um, you know I've, I have the translations that Alistair gives me and I trust that those are correct singing <laughs> 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 so, you know, something very very different uh, but yeah, so uh, you know, I don't kind of have that um, point of reference. So, so generally, I'm kind of relying on on, it, on his delivery, and you know, you you feel, uh, and that's one of the, the great things that you feel the emotion coming through uh, that that delivery. Mm-hmm. So it's you know when you then. I think go and read the liner notes, not knowing what he's just sung to you. It's, 
Oh, of course. <laughs> That's absolutely right. That, yeah. That is what he was saying. You know? So, yeah, you get to get it in hindsight with everything that he's... And again, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but going back to the music of like Sigur Ross, that's the kind of idea I was thinking of. You know, you listen to their music, which is actually a mix of Icelandic and I think kind of made up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or, or even going back further to the music of the Cocteau Twins or something um, like that, which was, you know, made up. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, this idea that you don't have to to understand the language for the music to, to mean a, a lot. I think that's what really makes this collaboration work so well. Um, what Now that the album comes out on the 21st of <laughs> October, what are your plans to do it? Are you going to tour? Are you going to do it live? Well, touring would probably, aye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd definitely like to do that. We've got a few dates lined up. And Excellent. The, few, the first thing is uh, the launch in Aberdeen as, as part of Sound Festival. Okay. Um, on the 21st itself. And then um, on the Sunday night, the 23rd, we are in um, Underdog in Aberdeen. Right. And then we're going to Mall, uh, oh, so I'll be on Home Turf in Topet in Tobermory. <laughs> Um, so I'll have some family members there. <laughs> good, good. How can you really find how it's going down now? So that's on the 28th. Oh, great. Um, I'm interested as well in, it seems to me it's more and more difficult to, to be able to kind of follow this kind of project. Is, it, is, is funding behind it an important aspect of it? I mean, I don't know if it has been funded or not. We, yeah, we were. Uh, we were Creative Scotland funded us, and uh, you know, was incredibly grateful for. We, I mean, we had a kind of contingency plan in, in place of, of our fund, you know, of our application being unsuccessful, and that uh, possibly would have involved crowdfunding, which mm-hmm. you know, is always a, a bit of a thought. But yeah, so it's it, it would have happened one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it perhaps um, quite the, the scale that we imagined to achieve in, in terms of like the CD the number of CDs we've had manufactured and that kind of thing, uh, promotional materials mm-hmm. and all that side of it. Uh, so yeah, I think I mean we're now we're now sort of thinking about the, the next the next step which you know I think would certainly touring would be would be wonderful and uh, and I think yeah it is it, it will be more funding applications mm-hmm. you know, but but I think this has been you know really because because we're self-releasing as well uh, this is it's an incredible learning curve I think for for both of us, you know. Because um. you both had solo work out. Mm. Um, I mean, how easy do you... I mean, because it seems to me in the last few years, even changing almost monthly basis, mm. that um, getting music out to people, it seems to have gone through a tipping point where you think, well, it can't be done, and now a lot of people are just going, well, I'm just going to do it myself anyway. Yeah. And now there's more and more independent labels, I mean, really tiny labels, but they're putting out amazing stuff. 
Um, I don't know how is that. What do you feel about kind of making music and trying to get into people's hands? Yeah, I think as Ross said, I, well, I certainly didn't know anything about it. And but from what I've heard, I think a lot of people are doing what we're doing, just creating their own label um, when they have an album that they're wanting to to make. Yeah, we were talking to um, <clears throat> the guys uh, through uh, Errant Media and he basically um, Sean to begin with said well I want to put my music out so I'll start Errant Media to put out Errant Boy and then there's got a couple of bands that are, you know on it and you know that or the opposite way is it someone who loves a band so much and says why aren't you you know being um, put out why you know, has nobody recording your work and I'm going to record your work and there does seem to be more and more and I think the easier that it is to record well um, you know um, I mean how did, how did you work on this was it on a Mac or no we well I mean all the, the sort of bulk of their track accompaniment had all been composed I'm um, highly allergic to Mac <laughs> and all things Apple, so yeah, well, I should have said all any other brand of uh, PCs are available. It's come out in hives, but yeah, uh, no, on, P on PC, uh, or using Ableton Live, it was all, uh, and and which is you know, the, the program's amazing because as the name suggests, it's great for live performance. And really, we were right at the start, we were you know, we were. Well, gigging and immediately before we were really recording, so so yeah, the, the majority of the stuff was had already been um, created and mm -hmm. existed as laptop. But uh, yeah, we, we wanted to 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 do a proper studio recording, so we uh, being uh, uh, our uni expat. Yeah, <laughs> I prefer expat. Uh, I, you know, I still have friends and, and former colleagues there, so we uh, were able to get the recording studio. And it's a really good recording studio there, where I spent most of my PhD life actually. And so we, yeah, we headed up there over the week, and we recorded all the Astros vocals. And in fact, we recorded in the the chapel at uh, King's College we, we were there almost was it three or four mornings I think we were we went and we had the mic set up and recorded uh, Astro's vocals for each of the songs and then we did versions in the studio as well and then we also recorded in a cave because <laughs> we had this uh, so one of the tracks um, The Ocean Sound we, we had this thing that we wanted to record Alistair singing by the waves, even by the ocean. And we tried it one day, but it was, it was incredibly tricky to record and, and capture that without getting loads of distortion mm -hmm. on the mic. And Adam Cresser, who's our sound engineer and a very good musician, knows all right, had suggested uh, going to Donotter Castle in, um, near Stonehaven. So we all jumped in the car and there's a cave down uh, below the castle and um, on 
went in there and it was perfect because it was sheltered but it was right at the ocean and got this just incredible recording of Alistair's performance. That sounds like it would have been a great video. We have it on video. We have a video! Yeah. <laughs> Excellent! A uh, young guy, um, Jakob Sarkovsky, who, who uh, documented the whole recording process. We've got oh, a, a mini documentary coming out. Fantastic. Uh, in about a week's time, or the same time as that. Same time. Out. Oh, brilliant. And, and, and is that, and how are you going to get that out? Are you going to host it on your website? Or? Yeah, we'll have it on the website. We're going to try and get it uh, wherever we can get it, sort of screened, you know, just any festivals or anything like that. I think we'll maybe show it at Melbourne Watch as well. Excellent. Now, the reason I asked the question, I was at something recently where a guy who played it recorded his Ola album off his phone. Oh, really? And it sounded fantastic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was yeah. lo-fi, but it was still really yeah. good. I just think that, you know, people are maybe realising now that the old route of, um, you know, hoping to get signed by some major, not only has kind of gone, but maybe that's no a bad thing as well, because it's making people be more creative in the way that they're yeah. using music. Um, well, before we wrap up, there are a couple of things I want to say. The last time we spoke to you, Ross, and the real reason for getting you back on, was we were fascinated by the witching hour. Do you remember when you were talking about your the music that you did? This was a dance piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was about the the name of the forest was. Oh. I'm oh, sorry, to put you on the spot. I, um, uh, it has two names. Jukai is is one of the names that goes back, and I can't. Aiko, I thought that sounded like right. Aiko Hara, yeah. go with that. No, the only reason was there was you did a film. Yeah, well, there's been two, and I have. And I've I'm not really explaining what this is because <laughs> if you haven't heard the previous podcast, you're going, "What the hell are we talking about?" Um, this was a piece of music that you did to go with the dance show, and yes. it was based around this forest in Japan, yes. where people. Well, you explain it better. Uh, well, basically, they every year. Uh, people go there to end their lives and it's uh, I haven't checked recently but statistically it was the second most popular which seems the wrong word mm. second most popular suicide spot in the world after the um, Golden Gate Bridge uh, and yeah and, and there are also uh, there's a lot of really fascinating kind of dark mythology folklore connected to this forest as well uh, so yeah I, we, we've, we've performed the piece the, the, the dance collective that I work as part of Orphan Ones Collective uh, but I was I was horrified to see that there were two films made. two films one of them I think is just called The Forest which I, I've, I haven't seen either of them but it was like a kind of horror movie another one's Matthew McConaughey. Oh really? The, the, the Forest is the one I've seen which is oh, the Matthew Dormer one. It was okay, it was, was very it? much just a kind of, you know, horror movie, but yeah. I just thought, because like, I'd never heard of this before, uh, phenomenon, and then suddenly Hollywood had obviously, you know, uh, discovered it and said we were going to make two fairly trite <laughs> um, horror movies for them. But the, 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 the Natalie Dormer one in The Forest is worth, worth checking oh, okay. out. Um, still, I, I'd like to know more about it. It's horrific, but fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess this, this is one of these horrible questions that we often throw up, but we're going to do it anyway. Get a, a musical inspirations for you, music that you know has really kind of um, 
inspired you to do what you do. Who's up? You answer. You take your time, Alistair. <laughs> um, I suppose recently, um, an inspiration, I suppose, has been uh, what Nightworks have been doing mm-hmm. um, with the kind of Gaelic and electronic. Nightworks? Yes. No, I will not write that down so I don't know that. Yeah. Well, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, worth checking them out. Okay. Um, so, not. Well, some ambient kind of stuff, I suppose you would say as well, but more, maybe more beats involved. I don't know if yeah. that's right. <laughs> kind of beat driven. What's that way you describe? Yeah, dance almost. Dance yeah, it's, yeah, certainly more yeah, towards that end of the electronic spectrum. <laughs> I mean, you declared your love of pop earlier on. <laughs> uh, it's all it's all recorded Um, is anything from that side of things that you think yeah that that kind of I mean it sounds like you've come from quite a traditional background if your singing was you know from a young age and all of that kind of stuff but um, uh, is there anyone and even from the traditional side of things that you've felt yeah that's someone I would like to not you know copy but just you know that's inspirational yeah, a lot of traditional singers, I guess. Um, I, I was listening to uh, London Grammar earlier on today, and I suppose I could maybe cite them as an influence. And it's, it's, I suppose their stuff is pretty ambient and a yeah. strong vocal. And yeah, I like, I like, I like them a lot. Cool. Well, you've had time to think. <laughs> I'm still struggling. Uh, that's loads. I mean, I was. It's a very unfair question. <laughs> we stopped asking it for ages, <laughs> and now I realise why. Um, but come on, give well, there's loads, loads, absolutely loads. Is there anyone unexpected that you would say, yeah, the first Sugar Babes album? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I suppose the person I always kind of cite. Uh, sometimes kind of raises an eyebrow is Tori Amos right um, but particularly the Boys Who Pelly album because mm-hmm. that I think is I think everything she's done since is absolutely pales in comparison this is just the most visceral terrifying musically technically accomplished massively so but I can understand that there is something as you say really visceral really personal mm. but the music kind of belies that in a way yeah. uh, um, it's not I mean in some ways it's the, the, the lyrics and the content are like really early PJ Harvey but the mm. music is, is is not like that that's it I mean it just sounds like it, it sounds timeless you know it's, it, it, it could be it could have been recorded at any point in the last century I, I, I think you know um, it's yeah it's not I, I remember is it's one of my all-time favorite albums, and it's I've never ever, never get sick. Never get sick of it. I think that's an excellent answer. <laughs> Tick. Um, well, listen, guys, thanks for coming over to, to do this. Uh, real pleasure, and I'm really enjoying listening to the record. Cheers. Um, so uh, we'll put lots of links to um, you know launches and all that <laughs> stuff, and get the date right. Um, but uh, thanks, to Alistair. And thanks, Ross. And we'll be back very soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm
was the pod that was and uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we had a blast recording it and uh, really good good fun and really interesting to hear um, musicians talking about uh, how they make the music that they do and the influences behind them okay the influences might have had to be dragged out at the end there but the whole process of making such an album from the initial spark to having the the final um, recordings uh, ready for the public so before we leave you um, we did promise you more music and you're about to hear The Black Oaken Boat but before you do I just want to once again say thanks to Ross and Alistair and that I hope we have whetted your appetite for their music and we'll be back with you very soon. Um, Thanks as always uh, for listening. Yeah, yeah.